Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new story. Today, we have the first creepy story that we've had in a while. Today is of a stalker who follows someone home, and when they think that they're safe, they realize that they're not, and that the stalker is actually at their house. This one's a pretty crazy story. It's also a long one, so I suggest you sit back, relax, get comfortable, leave a like on the video to claim your free nothing. Those are going quick. And with that all being said, let's just jump right into it. So we're going to call the subscriber who submitted this story, John. So anyways, John went to college. And at this point, he was a junior in college, so he no longer lived on campus on the dorms. He lived in off-campus housing with a roommate. His roommate was out for the weekend that this whole story went down. So John split a house with his roommate. So it was only him and his roommate who lived in the house. So this story all started one weekend when John's roommate was gone. And John was just, you know, spending his Friday night at one of the local college bars. This was a pretty big college town, so there was a lot of bars, and it was a very... The the campus was large as well, and it stretched across the entire place. So the bar was far from where he lived. By far, I mean like 20 minutes, and it was also kind of far from campus. And by that, I also mean like 20 minutes. However, it was still close enough that a lot of college kids would attend. So John went there with a few of his other friends from his uh, mechanics class, and he was just sitting at the bar, hanging out with them, having a pretty good time. And in the corner of his eye, he spots this man who's older, in his like late 30s, early 40s, from what John recounts, right? And this man is sitting in the corner by himself, and he has like oh, he has some kind of drink in his hand, right? He's sitting at the corner of like the pub or whatever, and he's just staring John down. And John doesn't make direct eye contact back, but I don't know if you guys can ever notice when, you know, you see in the corner of of your eye, like you kind of look a little bit towards them, but you're still not looking directly at them. You look in the corner of your eye and you can just, you can just tell when someone's like eye contact is piercing right at you. It's pretty apparent in my, in, in my experience. Thankfully, I don't experience that that often, right? So John doesn't think much of it because, you know, he sometimes spaces out and just stares at people for long periods of time and then feels really bad after realizing that he's been staring at them for like a long period of time. And he knows that that's true about a lot of people. I know that happens to me all the time. So John never really thinks about anything about it. And honestly, as a general rule of thumb, you probably shouldn't think anything about it either. I know in seventh grade, if I, this is going to sound ridiculous, but you got to understand I was ridiculous back in seventh grade. If I made eye contact with a girl, I was like, she likes me. Turns out she didn't like me, but that is for a non-scary story later in the future. So anyways, John is just like, he doesn't think much of it. He continues to have a good time with his friends, talking about how hard their class is and how the teacher, like, of course, the teacher makes the test too hard and has to give a 40-point curve. That actually just happened in one of my classes, but... uh. That's when John kind of like his icon, he flicks his eyes kind of back to the corner where the old man was sitting and kind of assuming that the old man was either not staring at him or had moved completely. In fact, John was wrong on both accounts as the old man was still sitting in what seemed to be the exact same position with the drink still half empty as if he never took a sip in the last 20 minutes and still staring at John. John is now a little bit more concerned. He definitely feels a little bit more uncomfortable at this point, but he chalks it up to two coincidence, like just a coincidence, that this guy happens to be staring at him twice in a 20-minute period, and that like the two times that he was just like awkwardly like gazing at him happened to be the two times that John spotted him. John didn't think it was unlikely that someone, because like the thing was, he didn't think it was unlikely because this guy was sitting in a way that he was facing towards John, and maybe he just happened to be looking at him because he was in eyesight, right? 
However, throughout the course of the night, John was just getting very uncomfortable. He was getting more and more uncomfortable as it went on, especially when him and his friends went over to the other side of the bar to talk to some of the girls that were in a class that they had together or were friend of friends or whatever. So they went to the, uh, the important thing is they went to the other side of the bar and John was sitting there. And once again, he looked back at the old man in the corner. And remember, this time he's on the complete opposite side of the bar. So the old man in the corner would have to have moved completely. And the really unnerving thing was that the old man in the corner, he was sitting at a corner table, so you could sit at either side, either side of the corner. So he had moved from the left side of the corner to like the center side of the corner so that he could, and once again, he was staring at John. So then at this point, it almost felt intentional because if he was still sitting in the other side, like why would he have moved as soon as John moved? And it just started to feel more and more intentional, right? It felt a little strange. And at first, John was thinking, all right, does this, does this man think I have intentions? Like, I just don't like that. I just don't really feel that way about other guys. Like, I don't know how to say it. Like, hopefully he doesn't, like, try and, like, hit, hit on me. But if he does, I guess I'll, you know, be nice about it. However, John got a sneaking suspicion or he just had a feeling that this wasn't a romantic interest stare. This was a danger stare, you know? It's kind of a... The instincts that you have built up inside of you over thousands, hundreds of thousands of years of just survival, your ancestors pass these down to you, of just when something is, when there is danger, and the thing is your brain is taking in so many things. You are consciously aware of the only tip of the iceberg of everything that you take in. Sometimes there are just signals and inputs and sensory input and data that your brain is sifting through, and it just figures it just knows that there's danger even though you can't comprehend it so sometimes it is i'd say almost always it is incredibly important to listen to your gut feeling because your gut feeling isn't some kind of like pseudoscience wishy-washy facebook mom post it is your collective consciousness letting you know that like there may be something that you're not aware of right i always listen to my gut when it comes to things like this And uh, John was also, he didn't necessarily listen to his gut, but he also didn't necessarily not listen to his gut here. He kind of just stayed with his friends. He did make sure not to go to the bathroom alone. He had to go to the bathroom as he had been drinking that night. Not too much. Not too much, because he was going to drive back. He said he was like a beer. You You shouldn't drink and drive at all, right? But he did it within legal limits, so don't pounce on him yet. (laughs) Which I, I understand if you want to a little bit in the comment section, I won't stop you. However, he had a lot of water and other non-alcoholic drinks at this point. So he had a lot of fluids in him, and he really did have to go to the bathroom. But he decided that he was going to hold it in till his drive back, or maybe make a pit stop on his way back to go to the bathroom, because he didn't want to get separated from his group of guys at this point, as he felt a little bit unsafe doing that. Anyways, the night wraps up, and John gets up, says goodbye to his classmates, says, I'll see you Monday, or whatever. Um, and he gets up, and he goes to the door, and he, as he's walking out the door... He sees in his peripheral the old man who had continuously been staring at him for the last couple hours at this point and had talked to no one, which if you want to go to these things and you just want to sit there alone, I can, I, that's fine. I enjoy a bit of people watching myself. I enjoy hanging out with myself. It's good to be comfortable being alone, um, but still it's a little odd at a place that you're supposed to be primarily social. I'm not going to judge you. I'm just going to tell you the facts of how other people will interpret it. However, at this point, John had gotten up, and as he's walking to the door, he notices the guy getting up, just standing up. And he doesn't think, he's like, okay, John, you're overreacting. You're overthinking at this point. It's not what you think it is. So he goes to the door, and he's walking down the steps, and he unlocks his car, and he gets in. He gets into his car, puts his key in, starts the engine, and he turns around because, you know, you want to, he parked in, like, he, he pulled into the parking spot. So he needs to look behind him to make sure he's going to ram into some car on the way back or some person, right? And as he's turning around and as he's backing up, he sees the door open. And he sees the door open and he sees the old man. And we're just going to call him the old man for the rest of this video. The old man get out. The old man, once again, is basically staring John down. And this guy seems to be power walking towards a car. John just felt really weird by all this, but he didn't want to spook himself necessarily, and he just decided, I'm going to remain calm and assume that these are all coincidences unless otherwise provoked. And let me just say that he was about to be otherwise provoked. So anyways, John gets in his car, he gets on the road, 
and he's just driving. And by the way, he does not notice what car the old man gets into. So even if the old man was literally driving right next to him, okay, if he's driving right next to him, you could have looked into the window. But if the old man was driving literally right behind him, he would have had no idea as there would have been enough glare that he wouldn't be able to see in and he did not know what car this old man drove. So, you know, John was driving for a while. And if you do remember, he did kind of hold in a lot of the, he had to go to the bathroom, drank a lot of liquids, uh, most of them not gonna make him sus on the road, don't worry. Uh, but he really had to go to the bathroom. It was like 15 more minutes back to his house. He was at a point where he's like, you know, I'm just gonna stop in a gas station. I'm gonna go to the bathroom, maybe pick up like a snack or two if I just wanna like have it while I'm watching like some TV tonight. That sounds pretty solid. I think I'll do that. So he looks at the roadsides and he sees that there's a gas station like two miles, take a left or whatever, or take a right or something. So he pulls off and he drives into the gas station. He parks, he gets in, he goes in, and he goes immediately into the bathroom. So he's sitting in the bathroom and he's kind of just contemplating, right? It's a one person stall, right? So don't worry, the guy's not gonna walk in in the stall and like attack him or something, that'd be crazy. But this is a one person thing. So basically locks him, he locks himself in as, I mean, you do, you're in a bathroom, right? He's just sitting on the toilet, just contemplating. I feel like the toilet is a pretty great place to contemplate your life. I know that sounds a little weird, but it's not a bad place. So he's sitting there and he's just genuinely thinking about all the events that transpired in the last couple hours. And he was thinking, yeah, I don't know if that's a coincidence. And he was, cause he was every single time he got a bat, like a red flag, he brushed it off as, oh, well, that's just a coincidence. Oh, that's just a, uh, it's whatever. It's like, I'm just overthinking things. And while he was sitting there, he was kind of like uh, mapping the things together, stringing them out and putting them within the relative context of his night and realizing that, no, okay, that was really weird. So John gets up, you know, washes his hands, is, walks out of the bathroom and is going to like go pick up some snack or something. He's going to go looking through the snack aisles of the, of the gas station, very casually doing so partially because he wanted a snack to eat later, partially because he felt bad using the gas station bathroom without actually being a customer. And as he's kind of looking through the snack aisle, he walks by one of the aisles. And in the corner of his eye, he thinks he catches glimpse of the old man and his heart starts to race. He immediately brushes it off like, no, 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 that's, that's ridiculous. His heart is still racing though, because his eyes know what they saw but his rational brain is desperately trying to tell his, the, the rest of his brain that, no, 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 you didn't just see what you thought you saw. No, that's, that's a coincidence. So he's already, he's getting a little freaked out though. He's not feeling good. He's already like kind of stressing about the thing that happened before. And he's like, I'm probably just seeing things. I'm probably just seeing things that my brain wants me to see. Uh, not that I want to see it, but it's looking out for people like that. So that's, mo that's most likely what's going on here. But, you know, so, but he's like, I don't know. I just got to get out of here. I just, I want to go back home. So he puts the snacks back, which in retrospect, probably not a bad idea after what's about to happen. He puts the snacks back. He gets up and he starts walking to the door and he can't, he can't help himself at this point. He needs to know if he was overreacting or if he was truly in the right the whole time. So he turns around and he looks and he makes eye contact with the man that he passed. And his worst, his worst fears were confirmed. He makes eye contact with this man and he realizes that this was the man from the bar. Hart, once again, beating in his head. It's beating in his face at this point. He is not, in a, he is like, I'm getting out of here. I'm literally going to autopilot my senses and I'm just going to go what instinct is telling me. Fight or flight, we're going a hard flight right now. So he power walks out of the store, gets into his car, turns it on, and, you know, he's like, okay, if this is a coincidence, the old man would have gone to the cashier to purchase whatever he was purchasing. If it's not a coincidence, the old man is going to come out and come after me. He looks in his rearview mirror, and sure enough, the door is opening. The old man is power walking out of there. John puts his thing in reverse. He drives out of there as quickly as he can. However, he is this time very intentional to make sure that he sees what car the old man gets into. The old man gets into a pickup truck, but a very distinct black pickup truck, all black, painted all the way, 
black tires, black shining, black coat, whatever, <laughs> probably black tinted mirrors as well. I don't even know if those are legal. Um, and yeah, so at this point, he knows what car the, 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 the old man is driving. He gets on the road and he starts driving. He's like, okay, this is like, this is not a coincidence at this point. This is serious. I'm like freaking out. And he remembers, he's like, okay, he's thinking about this logically as he's on the road because he looks in the rear view mirror and sure enough, he sees a black pickup truck kind of far behind him, but also getting a little bit bigger as time goes on. So he, kn- he knows it's coming closer. And he's like, okay, let's think about this logically. If I go back home now and this guy follows me there, he'll know where I live. So I don't necessarily want to do that. However, I am 90% sure this guy's following me, but I need to know if I'm 100% sure if he's following me. So he remembers a trick that his mom taught him back when he was a very young kid, and he never thought he'd have to use this, but life just sometimes throws stuff like this at you. And I'll teach you this trick as well. It's almost 100% foolproof in figuring out if someone is following you, unless they're completely lost, right? And if they're completely lost, then they're going to look like they're following you. So what John ends up doing is he pulls into a neighborhood and he pulls into the wrong neighborhood, not the one where his house is, but a different one. He's going down one of the streets and sure enough, this car pulls into the neighborhood too. Do you know that this car is following you yet? At this point with this much context, I think you reasonably could say that this car is following you, but let's say for just the hypothetical experiment we're about to do, for the thought experiment we're about to contend, right? Let's say the car, you do not believe that you have enough evidence. So let's make a move on the road that is so simply illogical that anyone doing it would only be doing it because they're following you exactly. What is that move? Well, what John does is he takes a right down a neighborhood. Then he takes another right. Then he takes another right. Then he takes another right. That will get you exactly back to where you started. It is completely illogical for you to do Ways would, ways would have to be tripping or Google Maps would have to be on some kind of drug, right? For that to ever be a thing that they'd make you do, which sometimes they are. They're, the algorithm, algorithms are a little ridiculous sometimes. But basically what John just did was he went in a circle, practically. I know it's a square, but generally a circle. No one would do this unless they're following you. So after John completed his circle, he looked behind him. And sure enough, the black car, the black truck, I should say, with the old man in it, was still behind him. At this point, John's heart began to sink as fast as it began to race, or as it was continuing to race, right? Because at this point, he had almost come to the 100% conclusion that he was being followed. So he gets back on the highway, and he has no plans of immediately going back home at this point. Because knowing that you're being followed by a creepy old man in a bar, you don't want to bring them back to your home. That's just not a thing you want to do, right? Pretty understandably. Real quick, you've made it this far into the video. Comment scary down below. That'll be the secret word of the day. Uh, also, let me guy, let let me know if you guys enjoy these kind of like scary stories mixed in with the other ones. I enjoy telling them. It keeps it fresh for me. And I hope you enjoy them as well. This will also be on Spotify, link down below. And if you want to support the channel, best thing to do is keep watching this video till the end. And afterwards, watch another one of my videos. Easy way to do that, storytime playlist, link down below. Let's get back to it. So at this point, John is back on the highway, and he is just like very uncomfortable, very freaking out, and at this point, he's almost 100% sure that he's being followed. So he does what he thinks is the best next move, and he calls 911. He calls the police. So he gets on the phone. They're like, 911, what's your emergency? And John is like, I am like almost 100% sure I'm being followed from this guy from a bar. He explains very briefly I was at a bar. This guy was staring at me the whole time. I felt very uncomfortable. After a couple hours of him staring at me, I left. I went to go make a stop at the gas station, and he appeared there as well. He got in a car, a black truck to be specific, and followed me back. I went down into a neighborhood. I took four rights to kind of do a circle to see if he was following me, and he still was afterwards. At this point, I'm on the highway. I'm not driving back home to lead him there, but I'm on the highway. He's still behind me. I really don't know what to do. So the operator's like, okay, um, so like, let me know where you are. And John says, okay, I'm at passing 14th Avenue, State Street, New York, New Jersey. I I don't know, say stuff, right? She's like, okay, so we do have a police station three miles up this way. What you can do 
is to drive here. He will probably not follow you into the police station. And if he does, then we will make sure to, we will be there to make sure that nothing happens to you. Um, she says, I will already let the know. I'll let the officers know if you could give a description of the plate or whatever. And he's like, oh, I can't. The car is behind me. Uh, all he knows is like a black says black truck says the brand of the truck or whatever. I don't know what that would be. She's like, OK, we OK, I'll put that out to the officers. Do you have the directions? Do you feel comfortable that you'll know how to get there? He's like, yes, I think I do. So she is like, all right, well, I mean, I'll stay on the line till you get there or whatever. Let me know if anything else happens. We'll send some officers out. So anyways, at this point, John is making it, making a shot, straight shot to the police officers, uh, the police place. I'm sorry. I've been going, I've been saying this like without any cuts for the last 20 minutes. So my brain is starting to break um, to the police station. There we go. And he's making it there. And the car, the black truck behind him, it's almost as if it's getting, like, closer and closer. It's just appearing bigger and bigger in the, in the rearview mirror. And John is feeling more and more uncomfortable. And he just sees it getting closer and closer. However, he also knows that he's approaching the police station pretty rapidly. That makes him feel a little bit better. And, uh, yeah, so anyways, he's pulling in. Eventually, he gets there. He takes the left turn off. He pulls into the police station. And the black truck does not follow him into the police station. He knows better than to do that. The black truck keeps going straight on the highway, or I, I don't know if the police station was right off the highway, but keeps going wherever and disappears. John gets pulls into the high, pulls into the police station, is like looks behind him a bunch of times, gets out super cautiously, runs into the station, whatever, and like he sees like some ladies like, hey, like are you John from the phone? And he's like, yes, yes. I like, he's not following me right now, but he was, I swear. She's like, okay. Um, Like, and they sit down for a little bit and he tells her the story in a bit more detail so that she can file an official report. He tells her where he lives. He tells her the, uh, you know, the circumstances of what happened. He tries to describe the car and also the old man in more detail. However, it's not the greatest detail. He's like, old middle-aged white guy with a beard. Like, okay, that's a lot of people in a college bar, right? That's a lot of people in this college town fit that description. And also a black pickup truck, like that's a little bit more specific, sure, but it's more than one of those in the world. Um, So, you know, the police officer's only so helpful as she was able to say, well, it doesn't look like he's following you now, so I think you can feel pretty safe. I have filed a report, so they know that this is what's happening. They know that, like, you're out, like... they know to look out for this. Um, they also know, like, we're also here if, you know, anything else happens. Just let me know. Just, uh, you know, call us up and we'll be there right away. Um, I don't know what else I can offer. If you have anything to ask for, maybe I can help that out. And John doesn't feel super confident because, you know, the guy wasn't caught or anything. But what are they going to do? Genuinely, what are they going to do? They barely have a description. The guy disappeared into the ether and what are they going to do? Like, search the entire state? Like, go knocking house by house? Like, I, I don't know. There's only so much they can do here, and John is aware of this. So he says, no, thank you. I'll call if anything happens. Gets back in his car and begins to drive back home. And while the immediate danger of the guy distinctly tracking him, being right behind him, is no longer apparent to him, or it's, at least it's not very visible if it is happening, right? He still is very uncomfortable. This was an incredibly unnerving experience. He's very just like, he's shaken up as one would be. He gets on the phone with one of his friends, explains everything that happened. They're all like, dude, that's crazy. If you want to come back to my place tonight, I totally get that. And John's like, I don't know, man, I'm almost home. And like, he's, he's not following me now, so I think it's okay. And uh, the friend's like, all right, man, well, if you need me to come over, if you want someone to keep you company or something like that, just let me know. Um, just... just I'm here for you if you need it. And John's like, I appreciate that. I think I will be okay. I'll be heading back home, but I'll let you know if I want you to come over or something or if I want to come over. Friend's like, okay, cool. So John's back in the car and eventually he pulls into his own neighborhood and he's like checking his rear view mirror like religiously. Every like almost as much as like a teenager checks their phone at this point. He's looking there. He's looking behind him. He's all sketched out as one would be, right? He's all kind of sketched out. He doesn't see any truck. 
he thinks he sees the truck and then it just turns out to be a different, like a red car that's not even a truck, right? So he knows he's kind of like overreacting, pulls into his driveway, gets out of the car, walks into like his house, goes into like his two-story house, um, lives with his roommate, but his roommate is gone, as I said in the beginning. And he gets into his house, goes up to the, uh, you know, the second floor where the bedroom is, sits there, and the bedroom is like right in front of the driveway, um, just for a little context. The window is also cracked open a little bit, as this happened earlier in the fall, so it was still pretty warm out. And he's just sitting in his bed. He's like, okay, I feel really weird. He, like, closes his, uh, his, the door of his room. And he's just sitting in his bed. Put on some, like, show or something, I don't really know. Put on, like, uh, TV, Netflix, whatever in the background. Just to kind of calm his nerves. He's doing his best not to think about the last six hours of his night. But understandably, it's very difficult. He also was kind of sitting there thinking, like, why didn't I just go to my friend's room or my friend's apartment? Because I think in the car ride back, he just assumed that he would be doing better once he got home and got to his own room. But instead, he almost felt worse because now instead of being in the car where he could be mobile and it's very hard to get someone when they're in the car, he kind of felt stuck in a sense because he was in his house. He had no reason at all to believe that the guy had, you know, followed him home, but he still had a bit of a feeling. So he was starting to drift off to bed. And he had some, like, TV show playing and, like, the computer was on his lap or whatever. And he was starting to close his eyes and he was starting to fade out. And that's when he heard car tires skirt and then turn in. And then he heard a car pull into his driveway. Immediately, this wakes him up. His computer actually falls over. He goes to check and it's fine, thankfully. And he goes out to the window. Because remember I said earlier, the window overlooks the, uh, the driveway. And he looks in the driveway. And at this point, it's like 1 or 2 in the morning. It's late at night. And he looks into the driveway, and all he sees, there's not a lot of streetlights on the street, but he sees two white headlights still on. He sees a car, he hears a car's motor running, and he sees a big black truck in his driveway. Immediately, he picks up his phone, dials 911. The same operator picks up. He says, hey, it's me. It's, he says his name, John. He's like, the guy's at my house. The guy's at my house. I need you to like send like the, like the police over as soon as possible. She's like, okay, I'll send them over. So he gave her his address, which is great. It saved them a couple seconds of time, which might've actually saved him. I don't know. Um, so they police are on their way. At this point, John, this is the scariest situation of his entire life. I mean, I think obviously it's pretty hard to top this at this point. But anyways, this is probably one of the scary situations of his entire life. And uh, so John is like kind of freaking out. He's watching this guy who's like in his driveway turn off his car. And he watches a guy, the same guy as before, step out of the car. It's the same old man. The same outfit is definitely him. And the old man looks at the house. And then probably the... The most scared John has ever been, or the most is terrified he's ever been, is when the old man, or the older man, 40 is not old, bro, it's not old. Um, the, the man looks up, and he, I think he's like scanning the house or something, but he looks up into John's window, and they make eye contact for a second. A second that felt like a minute, that felt like an hour, that felt like the rest of his life. It was the most just, it, it was like, the feeling of like the the predator staring into your eyes as you were the prey standing there helpless about to be eaten bro it was the worst feel it was the scariest feeling of his entire life but the second scariest feeling was when his brain reminded him that he did not lock his door so immediately john bolts he bolts down the stairs and as he's wa- he's running towards his front door the window next to it, the, the blinds are, are shut, but they're still see-through enough that you can see John sees a figure rapidly approaching his door, not running. If this man was running, things might have been different. This man was power walking because he believed that like he was in control, right? John goes up and he locks the door as soon as the guy meets it. And this is when John hears... kind of like a shaking of the door handle and then a slamming on the door. And then a boom, boom, boom. This guy was either trying to kick it down with his foot 
or trying to kick it down, like bump into it with his shoulders or whatever. At this point, John was truly freaking out. This is one of the scariest moments of his entire life. So he's like grabbing chairs or whatever. He's putting them in front of the door. And that's when he realizes that the old man is no longer bumping against the door. That's when he hears a crash noise. And that's when he sees a stone go through his window. And that's when he realizes that there are multiple ways to get into his house. John is a lucky man, though, because as the stone goes through the window and as John realizes that the old man might be able to go through the window or the man goes through the window, police sirens light up the entire front lawn. Police jump out. He hears freeze, whatever, a bunch of police officers surround this guy in the front of the house. And what they do is they surround him. They, you know, they have their guns up. They, one person goes up, they cuff him. And eventually he hears another knock on the door saying like, please like open up. And John is like, uh, like, can you prove it? And one of the police officers <laughs> is just like, all right, like, look, o- look out the window or whatever. So John goes up, looks at the, through the shattered window. Sure enough, the old man is cuffed or whatever. Police officers come in. They say, hey, just want to let you know that we apprehended the person trying to break into your house. Um, we also wanted to let you know that the man, after doing future, like, further research, we actually, we, we, were, we were able to match this man with uh, various other descriptions we've received over the last couple weeks or the last couple months of a older gentleman um, following back college students back to their house and robbing them of their personal belongings. And uh, yeah, we wanted to let you know that uh, this is not the first time and that thanks to you calling and thanks to you letting us know, uh, you know, this man has now been caught. Um, we hope to like... It, whatever, right? Says the final bits. They ask him for more information or whatever. John takes out his phone as the police are starting to go away, right? They're like, okay, well, they also say we'll send a report to the landlord that this wasn't you or whatever. John gets on the phone and calls up his friend. His friend's like, hey, man, what's good? It's like pretty early. He's like, hey, man, can I come over to your place? He's like, sure. What happened? And John explains, okay, so you know that man who I was telling you about who's following me? Yeah, so he followed me back to my house and he tried to break through my door and he threw a rock through my window. And as he was about to like crawl through the window into my house, the police came, surrounded him at gunpoint and handcuffed him. So yeah, I'm not really trying to sleep here tonight. And his friend is silent for like 10 seconds. And after 10 seconds, he's like, oh my God. Like, yeah, come over here right now. Like if you want me to drive over there and to pick you up, I will do that. And John's like, no, it's fine. I'll drive, but... Thanks for having me there. So yeah, um, that is John's scary experience. Pretty scary experience, if I might say so myself. Leave a like on the video to claim your free nothing. Support the channel by watching another video. And bye. So today I have a story that I know you guys will enjoy. It's probably one of the craziest stalker stories I have ever received. So I don't know, sit back, relax, get something to eat, subscribe if you're new. And let's call today's subscriber who submitted the story, let's call him Oliver. So this all took place one night when Oliver, the subscriber, was at a convenience store. He was buying, it was like one of those like gas station type stores, but with no gas station. So there's a bunch of like, I don't know, like toothbrush, snacks, uh, cleaning detergent, a bunch of little stuff like that. And it was kind of in a sketchier part of town because he lived in, he lived in like a pretty normal place, but there were areas that were a little bit like, he had to be a little bit more careful in them. And uh, this was this one of them. And he happened to be just like, like, you know, in one of the aisles. He, I forget exactly what he said he was looking for. He submitted the story on my Instagram, go follow it down below if you want to submit stories or just follow me. But anyways, right, so Oliver was just in line, just, or not in line, he was like looking for something, so he was down one of the aisles, and he makes eye contact with this guy. And this guy has this like kind of like this scruffy beard, he's wearing this like trench coat, he's got these big boots on, he's wearing like mostly black or dark colors, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, I'm just trying to describe him. And the thing was, though, when he made eye contact, this guy stared at him and gave him this big, long stare. And after the big, long stare, it felt like an eternity, but was probably like one or two seconds, he gave him this kind of weird smile, this weird grin. And immediately, Oliver just felt super creeped out, like the fight or flight activated immediately. And whatever Oliver was there to get, he just was not having it. So he just walked out of that aisle. However, he did have something in his hand that he was trying to purchase. So he stands in line at the cash register. And he's just like, all right, I got to get out of here. I just have a really bad feeling about this. 
and this is a great story just to tell you, man, trust your instincts because those things have been like developing over thousands of thousands of years. And sometimes they can understand a bit more than you can. So Oliver's in line and he has his like, I don't know, detergent or I don't know, roast beef. I don't know what he got, right? And sure enough, Oliver is waiting in line and he's super antsy, he's super nervous, and there's one guy in front of him. But the guy in front of him doesn't have a lot of stuff, so the person at the cash register kind of like, you know, checks him out, you know, gets all the stuff done, and the guy in front of him leaves. So immediately Oliver kind of like scoots up to the front, he puts his like one item that he has down, and you know, you know, he goes into his wallet to take out his credit card. And that's when he just has this weird feeling, kind of like the fight or flight reaction that he felt earlier. He felt it again. And that's when he just, he kind of looked to the side because there's this kind of like metal metallic box type thing on the cash register, or maybe it was the cash register. All you got to know is there was something that was kind of reflective, maybe as a piece of plastic, maybe a piece of metal. There was something reflective on the counter and he looked in the reflection and sure enough, it was the guy. The guy got right behind him. I mean, the guy did have something in his hand, presumably, so he wasn't just like menacingly behind him, but he was kind of menacingly behind him, as you'll soon see. So Oliver tells himself, all right, well, obviously this guy, you know, he just wants to get something right to eat. And that's, I mean, that's why he's here, right? I mean, or not to get something to eat. He just wants to check out an item. Like, that's why he's behind me in line. It's not a big deal. I'm just making this into something. It's not. In retrospect, Oliver will realize that, no, he's not making this a bigger deal than it actually is. So Oliver is kind of like looking around in his wallet. He's kind of freaking out a bit. And the, cash and the guy behind the cash register is like, you can pay for this, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the only reason the guy said that is because Oliver was taking such a long time digging through his wallet because he was just thinking about a thousand things when that guy stepped behind him. But sure enough, right? He whips out his credit card. He's like, all right, here we go. Hands it over and doesn't have to enter a pin because it's that type of credit card. And he gets his thing and he quickly power walks out of there. He's not about a sprint because that looks really suspicious, but he briskly walks. And sure enough, right, the guy behind him does actually check something out, but it's like one item because Oliver takes a quick look behind him, sees the menacing guy who is still like staring at Oliver as he puts the stuff, he as he puts his one item on the cash register, right? And Oliver's like, all right, I just got to get out of here. So Oliver quickly kind of like power walks out of the store, kind of, kind of like transitions into a light jog as he's trying to find his car. And, it, and the terror and the panic starts to like overcome him because he's starting to forget where he parked, right? And he's like, okay, this is not the place I want to forget where I parked. You know what I mean? So Oliver's just looking around. He's looking around and finally he sees his car. But that moment of like, I don't know, like that great feeling when he found his car was almost immediately wiped out because he heard the door open from the convenience store and he quickly looked behind and it was the guy, and the guy walked out. And the guy was not sprinting towards him. That would have been absolutely terrifying. But the guy was like walking, and he wasn't just casually strolling. He was walking with intention. And what direction was he walking towards? He was walking towards Oliver. So Oliver in his head was like, all right now, so uh, this guy is probably just parked next to me but I got a bad feeling about this, so let's get out of here. So Oliver goes over and he pulls out his keychain. There's like two keys on the keychain. He's got his house key, he's got his car key. This is not some like horror movie type, you know, cliche where the guy's like, oh my God, I need to get into wherever and I have a thousand keys on my keychain and they're all identical and I need to go through each of them with my trembling hands before the guy comes behind me and rips my spine. No, it's not like that. But he's like trembling, he puts the wrong key in, he's like, oh my God. And he just feels the guy getting closer. So then he puts the right key in turns it, you know, gets into his car, slams the door shut, puts the key in very quickly and starts his car. And, you know, the guy behind him is like, was approaching his car, but as soon as the car started, the guy started to like float to the left. So he was still approaching, but he was now approaching diagonal. And uh, so the guy was like paying very close attention to 
Oliver's car. And Oliver decided like, okay, like this is freaky. I got to get out of here. So then he realizes that the guy kind of like makes a much like, like a much sharper turn and he walks over to his car. So Oliver's pulling out and this guy has a very distinctive bright red, or it's like a dark red car, but it's all red. You don't see a lot of like completely red cars. You see a lot of black, blue, white, right? You don't see a lot of all red cars. So it's pretty distinctive. And so sure enough, right, Oliver kind of takes a mental note and Oliver pulls out of there. And he's just thinking to himself, all right, I'm home free. That was terrifying, man. I can't wait to just go back home, chill out, maybe watch some Netflix and just, just have a good time because whatever I just went through, I'm not trying to go through again. That was terrifying. And so Oliver is driving on one of these back roads. He's not on the highway or anything because he's just, you know, he's just not on the highway. And that's when he notices a car. It's like pretty far behind him, but it's getting kind of late at night and not a lot of people live in the area. It's just not a very heavily populated or traveled area. Um, and he realizes that there's a car behind him and the car is distinctively red. And so Oliver's like, all right, all right, don't panic. It's probably just a coincidence. Remember, this is like the fourth time today he's been like, don't worry, it's just a coincidence, right? At a certain point, man, it's just not a coincidence, you know what I mean? But anyways, though, the car starts to get a little bit closer to him until it's about like, I don't know, or a regular, you know how like cars are a certain length behind so that you don't like accidentally, like if someone slams on their brake, you don't slam into them, um, that length behind. As the car was closer, it kind of like started to tail, like, I don't know, 20, 25, 30 feet behind, or maybe a little closer, maybe a little farther. Maybe I'm giving a bad estimate or whatever. But that's when Oliver took a look at the car in his rear view mirror, and he's like, there's no doubt in my mind that that is the same car that the creepy guy got into. Real quick, comment stalker down below if you want a heart on your comment, as stalker is the secret word of the day. I normally give out my most hearts within the first hour or so of the video being up, so make sure notifications are turned on. If you want to support the channel even more than you're already doing by watching this far, which I appreciate it, watch another video after this one. In fact, go ahead and binge watch a bunch of videos, and if you do, please let me know in the comments so I can say thank you. Anyways, let's get back to the story as it's about to get pretty intense. All I'm gonna say, right? All I'm gonna say. Uh, but sure enough, right, Oliver is just like starting to like sweat, man. He's starting to panic understandably, <laughs> understandably. Um, but sure enough, he's like, okay, uh, this is bad. So he remembered that his mom told him a little trick, like, you know, when he was just beginning to learn how to drive. And his mom told him that, all right, if you ever feel like you're being like followed, either you're walking alone or you're driving or you just feel like you're being followed, a really good trick to know if someone just happens to be going to like the exact same destination as you or just happen to be trailing behind you by accident, right? A really good trick to see if that's the case is if you kind of, if you make four right turns or four left turns, basically you're going in a circle, but it looks as if like you're just like turning or whatever. And if the person is still following you by the end of the time that you made the four right turns, I guess it'd be a square, but you know what I mean. If the person's still following you, then they are legit following you and you need to get out of there or find help. So sure enough, Oliver is like going down one of these side roads and he sees kind of like a neighborhood and he's like, all right, I can definitely do one of these circle square type things in the neighborhood. So Oliver makes a right turn. He goes down and the car, the red car, eventually also makes a right turn. Oliver then goes on to make another right turn, then another right turn, and then another right turn, basically putting him exactly where he was before. And after like 20, 30 seconds, he looks in his rear view mirror and the red car is still behind him. And he's just like, oh my God, okay, this is legit. No more coincidences, man. The crazy guy, the creepy guy from the, uh, the gas station, whatever convenience store, he's legitimately following me. This is terrifying. What am I gonna do? So Oliver was like, all right, well, maybe I should call the cops, but uh, they're gonna take forever. I, I like at this point, what do I even say? I think this guy's following me. Like, what are they going to do? He said, maybe I can just lose him. So what Oliver ends up doing is he starts like run. He's, he, he just starts going like, he just like puts on the gas. And I don't ever suggest you do this, especially in a more 
I don't know, a more residential type area, but he just books it, right? He just goes crazy and he's going, it kind of like it's fast enough and it's so unexpected enough that the red car behind him is completely thrown off guard. But then that's when Oliver sees that the red car speeds up as well. But Oliver is like, no, 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 I'm taking this advantage I just got and I'm going to use it for the best, right? So he's starting to make like turns. He goes around places, goes down side streets. Thankfully, he hits no dead ends. That would be terrifying. He's going quickly, speeds down, and then he pulls into like a parking lot and he turns off all the lights. And he's just like, oh my God, please, please, please. Because the red car was far enough behind him that, you know, the red car didn't see him pull in, he thought. So he sees it, right? He hears a car pulling up nearby the parking lot. And at this point, Oliver is just like face down. This was probably a bad call. He probably should have just like kept driving, called the police and then showed up at the police station or found a place to meet up with them. But he's in the parking lot. He's just like crouching down or whatever. So Oliver's told me that this is probably the scariest moment of his life, besides what was it's going to happen later in the story, but you'll hear about that soon enough, right? Oliver's just in his car, he hears the red car pass him, and the red car keeps going. Oliver is so relieved, but he's not about to, like, turn on his car and start blaming his sled, let's start, like, a blasting celebration music, like, yeah, screw this guy, <laughs> like, okay, he doesn't know yet, right? He's not... 100% sure that he's got it yet. So he waits, the car is totally gone, and he gives it like three minutes. So supposedly the red car kept going straight, assuming that he kept going straight. And that's when Oliver's like, all right, I'm probably safe to go home. So Oliver does drive back to his house. He's completely like paranoid the entire way back, which is understandable. I mean, pretty scary experience just happened, right? And, uh, you know, sure enough, you know, he drives you know, back to his house. He pulls in, you know, he goes, you know, goes to his front door. It's not like unlocked or the door's open and he's waiting inside or anything. So he opens up the door, locks it, deadbolts it, does like the double lock thing. He's like, I'm not taking any risks here. It could not be me. And so he kind of like goes into his bed and his bed has a view to the, uh, to the driveway out front. And uh, this is going to be an important. This is going to be an important detail in a second, unfortunately, man. Uh, but anyways, right? Oh man, this is where it gets weird. He's chilling, watching Netflix, watching YouTube, whatever. And remember, in his bedroom where he's just watching TV, he has a view of his of his driveway, and he hears a car kind of going like slowly down his street. And he really doesn't think anything of it. But since he's kind of like on edge, he kind of looks up. And oh my God, it is the worst sight of his life because a car slows down near his house, a red car. And at this point, Oliver's done with uh, saying like coincidence, coincidence. No, no, this is no longer a coincidence. So immediately Oliver actually whips out his phone and is about to dial 911, but he says hesitant. He's like, what if this car passes by and I waste a call with them, right? I know it's like not a good thing to like call them randomly. And that's when the car stops at his house kind of like kind of like stops in the street backs up and starts to pull into the driveway and Oliver's like all right all right I'm done so he gets on the phone he's like I need people at insert you know his uh whatever uh his address I need people at my address like immediately there's a creepy guy who followed me home I'm 98 percent sure it's him even if it's not I need people here uh, he might be armed and dangerous. I have no idea. I just need people here. And the 911 operator is like, okay, uh, we actually have some officers nearby. They'll be there in literally like a minute or two or something. So the, the message gets relayed and Oliver's just sitting in his room, petrified, staring at the red car. And uh, the red car has the light, has like, you know, the gas and the engine's going, not the gas, but the engine's going and then the engine's turned off. And this guy steps out. And who do you think it was? Yep, it was the guy from the store earlier. And Oliver's like, I'm in a nightmare right now. This is insane. Like, is this how I die? Is this going on my gravestone? Creepy guy from gas station what wants to end me? Like, are you serious? And uh, yeah, I mean, he didn't think that. He wasn't like joking or anything. He was terrified. He's like, oh my God, like, what do I do? And he's looking around frantically. And the guy, I, I think the creepy guy didn't realize the police were coming, at least not at that moment. So he was kind of like casually kind of looking around, kind of like wandering, kind of like walking up. 
And that's when the creepy guy looks into the window. And as Oliver says, that was probably the scariest moments of his life, even though the earlier thing was then this, like the car chase was the scariest moment of his life. This moment, half an hour later, replaced that as number one. Um, but sure enough, right, you know, the police sirens go. I think the police didn't want to have like a quiet entrance. They had a loud entrance. So they hear, so the guy hears police sirens in the very distance and he quickly jumps up, gets into his car, turns it on. And Oliver's like, oh no, no, no. Like I, I can't have this guy roaming around. And unfortunately, right, guy gets into the car, his backs up and kind of like sprints out of there or not sprints out of there, but shoots out of there. So the cops come like 10 seconds later, Oliver runs down, opens up his front door. He's like, officer, officer, he just went off that way. And so one the there's two officers that came and one guy said, I'll stay here. You go after it. What was the car look like? He said, it's a bright red car. You'll 100% recognize it. So the officer goes off, drives off in that direction. And the other officer asked for the story. So Oliver tells basically the story that I just told you. And unfortunately, the other guy couldn't, the other officer couldn't find him because the first guy in the red car, the creepy guy, just had too much of a head start, probably pulled around a side corner or something. And yeah, so the police did a file or police report, you know, got all the descriptions. Uh, they went back to the convenience store and got camera footage. So they know what this guy looks like, but nothing in any database, right? They They had posters around for a little bit, but basically to this day, this guy is still at large. And Oliver is probably going to move pretty soon, as that's what he told me at least. But yeah, first time in a while I've shared kind of a creepy story, so leave a like if you enjoyed and watch another video to support the channel. Click on the video Peace. on screen right now. I know you'll enjoy it. Just click it. Do it. Today we have a story time of two friends who wanted to make a TikTok, and after they were done with it, watched it back to see something terrifying in their window. This is probably one of the craziest stories I've ever received, so leave a like in the video to claim your free nothing, subscribe, and with that being said, let's jump right into it. So we're going to call the subscriber who sent in today's story, we're going to call her Sarah. So this all happened one day when Sarah went to her friend's Jane's house. And Sarah and Jane, you know, they're just teenage girls, probably 14, 15 years of age. And of course, you know, what do they want to do? They want to make a funny TikTok ride for their friends. So anyways, you know, Sarah or Jane has a pretty big house. It has a lot of really big windows, a lot of really big rooms, and it kind of sits atop this, this hill with a pretty big forest. However, it's still in a neighborhood. It's just like one of those houses in a neighborhood that's kind of like pretty far up and secluded, but still close enough that it's definitely part of the neighborhood. Anyways, right, Sarah and Jane were walking around the house trying to find a pretty good spot to make that TikTok. They basically, what they wanted to do was they wanted to find a good light source. They wanted to find something to rest the phone up against. And eventually they find a place that they, you know, that they feel pretty comfortable with. So they find, so they kind of like, they take the phone, they put it up to record them and they face back to the, to a very large window. I don't know if you guys have ever seen those like really big windows that are just like, the, the, the purpose I think is both to see outside and see like a very good view, but also just to bring a lot of light into the house. But this was like one of those very, very big windows with a little seat under it. Anyway, Sarah and Jane, they end up doing their like, their little TikTok dance or whatever. Hey man, you know, it is what it is. Gotta make that content if people enjoy it. But they do their TikTok dance. And they, you know, when they're done with it, they're like, all right, I felt pretty good about that. And Jane's like, all right, let's just look over the TikTok, make sure that, you know, we did it correctly, make sure it's filming right before we post it. So anyways, you know, Sarah and Jane, they look at the TikTok and it looks pretty good. And sure enough, they post it and they post it uh, privately because Jane has a private TikTok account. So only her school friends can see it. So they're looking at it. They're just like, so they go about their day, right? And they're just kind of like chilling. I think they're maybe like watching a movie. I don't actually know what girls do when they hang out with each other. So I'm assuming they don't play Lego Star Wars on the Wii. But if you guys do, then you're super awesome. And I will happily hang out with you guys. But anyways, though, they do whatever they do, right? Until like, you know, uh, Jane goes up on her TikTok account. She's like, all right, let's just see how many people saw it. She's like, all right, six likes three comments and you know to the comments were like haha so cool whatever standard comments but then one of the comments was like yo what's up with that window and you know jane looked at that comment for a section and for or for a second it was kind of like oh like what do you mean like what's up with the window yeah it was like an abnormally large window but that was kind of just how their house was built like she didn't really think that much of it 
And then she was like, oh, is there something wrong with the window? Did we, like, leave something in? Did I leave something in embarrassing? Like, is my underwear present in the window for some reason? I don't know why that would be the case, dude. But, like, maybe you had to do, like, your laundry and you forgot to, like, you put it down somewhere and you forgot to pick it up. Dude, I don't have a good answer for you. But anyways, she decided to look at the window a lot closer. And so Sarah, the subscriber, was sitting on the couch when Jane was doing this. And they were watching some show. And, you know, Sarah's just sitting there when she hears Jane scream. And Sarah's like, Jane, like, what? Like, what is wrong? Are you good? Because, like, at at this point, right, Sarah's looking around. She can't see anything obvious that's a problem because she's sitting on the couch with Jane right now. There's, like, no immediate danger or no immediate threat. And Jane is like, you know, when Sarah looks over at Jane, Jane is, like, full-on shaking at this point. So Sarah's look like, turns over to Jane. She's like, dude, like, what? What's up? Like, are we good? Is everything all right? Sarah knew instantly when Jane looked at her in, in, like, her eyes. When they, like, stared, made eye contact, like, face-to-face, Sarah knew instantly that something was really wrong. All Jane did, Jane didn't say a word. I don't even know if Jane could actually say a word at this point. She might have been so much in shock that she couldn't even speak. But all Jane did was picked up her phone, showed Sarah the TikTok that was paused, and pointed at the corner of the mirror. Not the mirror, the window. And so Sarah, right, the subscriber, leans in to look at it closer. And finally, she sees what made Jane make such a commotion. What was in the corner of the window was at the very bottom of this very big window was, like, the very top of this, like, devil mask. It was, like, the weirdest, most uncomfortable sight because, like, the rest of the body wasn't present as if something was, like, barely peeking above, right? And at this point, they're both just sitting there. Sarah and Jane are both just completely in shock, have no idea what to do, because they realize that some creature, some person, something, has been outside, or at least at that very moment, was outside of their house and was staring in while they were making that TikTok. And it was, like, the eeriest thing ever, because it wasn't, it didn't show, like, the full face of someone. It didn't show the full body of someone. It just showed, like, 70% of this, like, devil mask, this, like, weird, creepy mask and, you know, so Sarah and Jane, they, they look at each other and Sarah's like, we need to go check if, like, that person's still outside the window. And Jane's like, I do not want to do that. I don't want to get up from here. And Sarah's like, you know, we could be in immediate danger if, like, we don't check. If they're there, they could break in for all we know. And Jane looks at Sarah and, you know, she's like, Sarah, how do we not know that they're in the house already at this point? So unfortunately, right, Jane's mom is out, and she'll be out for like the next hour or so. So Sarah and Jane sit there and contemplate what they should do. They question calling the police, as that is not the worst option ever. I mean, they literally have proof that this happened. Uh, Or second of all, to go investigate. Dude, I'm going to have a little commentary right here. If this is the case, just call the police and stay still or just escape the house or something. This could be like serious danger. Uh... Don't investigate. Don't be that person in the movie who just says, let's split up and let's go to the basement. I'll go to the attic. Like, dude, come on now. Anyways, though, Sarah and Jane, they make the decision to go back to the window to at least check if anyone is there. So the window room or like, or, or where the window is, right? I don't know if it's specifically a room. Maybe it's part of a hallway. I never got that detail. Sarah and Jane slowly make their way over to the room. And they don't want to present themselves very clearly in like if someone was there watching them walk up. So they kind of like they turn the corner to where the window is. And they stay behind it just enough so that they can't be seen. But they kind of like peek around the corner so that they can actually see what's on the other side. And they, and they look around, and they're looking at the window, and it looks like it's empty, right? And the whole time, they're pretty terrified, because for all they know, like, the intruder or the, you know, the, whoever it was that was wearing that mask could be in their house at any moment, at any place, right? So even if they're taking precautions not to be seen throughout the window, I mean, for all they know, you know, the dude could be literally standing behind them right now, and they wouldn't even know. So they're, they're pretty on edge. But eventually, Sarah's like, it looks like the coast is clear. So Sarah and Jane, they walk out and they go to the window and they press up right to the window and they look outside and they're just like, they're trying to scan to see any evidence of anything and they don't. They don't see anything at this point. So Sarah and Jane, they wait. So they go back to like the room that they were in before, the TV room. They kind of, they, they, they scan the room. They go into the closet. They look under the sofa and they confirm that no one is in that room. And then they both sit on the couch 
looking at the two entrances, because there's two doorways to get in and out of the room, sitting there, both with their phones out so that they can call 911 if necessary, waited there for like another hour until Sarah's or Jane's mom got back. Real quick, if you made it this far into the video, comment TikTok down below. I just want to see how many people made it this far, and I'll give a few hearts to some people who do that in the comments. Anyways, so Sarah and Jane were sitting there, and eventually Jane's mom gets back. So Sarah and Jane, they walk, they, they kind of like, they run up as soon as she gets to the door, and they're just like in tears. And, you know, Jane's mom's like, girls, like, what happened? Because she just kind of assumed it was some kind of like, I don't know, some seventh grader drama or something, like something kind of, you know, like inconsequential, like nobody cares, right? However, Sarah and Jane eventually explain the story and then show the video. And Jane's mom at this point is just like completely speechless. And Jane's mom then gets very quiet and looks at them very seriously. And she says like, this is a really big deal. Like this is super serious. Like I don't even feel safe in the house right now. So what they end up doing is Jane take, or Jane's mom takes Jane and Sarah out of the house, they get back into the car, and they drive down the neighborhood, and then they, like, stop somewhere, right? So they kind of, like, pull over to the side somewhere. And Jane, Jane's mom says, okay, guys, this is the last chance to tell me that this is a prank. Like, I'm now taking very serious actions after this. Sarah and Jane look at her, and she's like, they're like, I swear, this is not a prank. This is, like, if it was, we would have said it earlier. Like, this is not funny at this point. We're scared, too. So Jane's mom said, okay. I really hope you're being honest with me because Jane's mom then goes ahead and, you know, calls the police, files a report, tells them exactly what happened. And sure enough, right, the police come to the house or she at least requests the police to come to her house. They do a scan of the house. They kind of do a scan of the neighborhood. They're kind of looking around and they are they look at the video footage and, you know, the police are kind of like, all right, so this kind of seems more like, you know, a harmless prank compared to like a break-in or someone who's actually dangerous. However, we understand your concern and we will be filing this. So Jane's mother's not super satisfied like with what the police ended up doing. Like they did what they would have done in this situation. Like it was very protocol, but Jane's mother was still at a point where she didn't feel super comfortable. Like, yes, the police did come and scan the house and no, no one was in the house. No one was around the perimeter, but that doesn't mean that like the person won't be coming back. So what Jane's mom does is she kind of fears for, like, the neighborhood as well because what would stop this person from just, like, going into a random house and doing the same thing and maybe going a step further and, like, you know, actually, like, robbing them or attacking them or something. So Jane's mom makes a Facebook post where she explains briefly what happens and then attached, you know, Sarah and Jane's TikTok to the Facebook post. The Facebook post goes mini viral, and by viral I mean, like, I don't know, a couple hundred likes, but they're all coming from people in the direct neighborhood. So it is, it is talk of the town, right? Anyways, in a house not too far away from Jane's house lives Jane's cousin and Jane's cousin's mom and dad. And Jane's cousin's mom, right, she was on Facebook. And since she lives in this town very close, right, or not, she doesn't live in the town, she lives in the neighborhood, she lives near them. She sees the Facebook post and she's like, oh my God, like, that's terrible. And then she also thinks, oh my God, like, what if this person comes to us? And then Jane's cousin's mom, right? She takes a close look at the video and there just feels something familiar about the video to her. And she just looks at it closer and closer and closer until, cl until it clicks. Jane's cousin's mom looks at the mask in the video, and even though it isn't uh, like, like in super great quality, and even though the mask is not 100% like visible, it's only like 70% visible, she remembers that her son, aka Jane's cousin, right, owns that mask. And she's just sitting there on the couch looking at the Facebook post, just sitting there thinking like, oh my god, like, what am I going to do? Because like a police report was filed. She knew this from the Facebook post. And also like, it's pretty serious. It's pretty bad. And then she's like, you know, is it actually my son? Did he actually do this? So anyways, right. Jane's cousin's mom. This is a mouthful. I have to keep saying it, right? I'm, I'm going to say the cousin, the cousin's mom, right? Goes up to her, his room because he's out for some reason. And sure enough, on his bed, is laying the mask in the video. So the cousin's mom at this point knows exactly what happened. 
So the cousin was out playing with some friends or whatever, and he comes back home from school. Or not from school, but from playing. And he's like, Mom, I'm home. And he doesn't hear anything. And he's like, okay, that's a little weird. And the cousin walks up to his room, where he sees his mom sitting on his bed next to the mask with this just, this just look on her face. So sure enough, right, the cousin eventually confesses, and the mom realizes that, like, all right, she can just, like, she can stop all of this craziness, but she also wants to know why. So the cousin eventually confesses, like, along with the confession, says that, you know, he was just trying to scare his cousin, right? He was trying to do, like, a prank like he saw on YouTube or whatever or something like that. He just... He, he just wanted to scare her or whatever. And he was, like, one or two years younger. It doesn't justify, like, what he did because that was, like, pretty bad. But at the same time, he admits that, you know, he just wanted to scare his cousin. So, you know, the cousin's mom eventually contacts Jane's mom and says, hey, we got to talk. So sure enough, right, the cousin's mom explains to James mom's uh, or Jane's mom on the phone that, you know, she saw the video, she felt really bad, and then she recognized the mask, and she saw, like, in her son's room, the mask, and when it came back, she was able to get a confession. And Jane's mom, you know, she was not mad at, you know, the cousin's mom, like, how could, like, the cousin know anything? In fact, Jane's mom, if anything, was just kind of happy. In fact, she was just relieved that it wasn't actually, like, an actual burglar coming in and trying to, like, terrorize them, but instead it was just her daughter's cousin, or, yeah, her daughter's cousin trying to pull a prank on them, which, like, you know, it's not the greatest prank ever, but she definitely felt better after that. Subscribe if you haven't already. Drop a like in the video and then click one of the four videos on screen right now to support the channel. Thank you. Bye.